Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording in a much, much, much better tone and filling. <laughs> it's wild what, oh. a, what a difference a week makes. <laughs> Welcome to college football and especially UCLA football to add to that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wild swings and emotions. On a, well, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. Let's say this. We, I think, in the last podcast, uh, you mentioned you was like, if we beat Stanford, am I like getting back on? And to that, I'm still no, as of yet. I'm cautiously a little bit. I'm not gonna say optimistic. I'm uh, cautiously opt. So, um, <coughs> what what. What we saw in Stanford was what we expected against Fresno State in terms of schemes and coaching. And as we said in the last podcast, which I believe is still valid, is this team is talented and they have experience. And with that, it comes down to coaching at this point. And we don't know what we're going to get every week, but let's go off what we did get and you know what we saw this Saturday. Um, it's It's so hard to really like gauge where we're at as a team I think because you can argue that um, like Fresno State is a better team than Stanford at this point I think like everyone was like oh god Stanford's emerging again once they beat USC but we kind of know USC's not a good team like they just lost to Oregon State at home so it's pretty just, badly. It wasn't even like underestimating Oregon State. It's just like you shouldn't lose to um, not a middle of the road, but a decent program or up and coming program in in the Pac twelve like that. Yeah, I think Jonathan Smith has that team playing pretty well for for what they are. Like it's Oregon State is never a super talented team. They have their own challenges being up in Corvallis and whatnot, but he has them playing to a, a high level for for their standards. And that being said, like they're still not a good or great team. Like USC is a much more talented team. Like they should have handled business at home, especially considering OSU had not won at the Coliseum since like 1961 or something. So to have that kind of history and then to lose is pretty, um, pretty crazy if you you think about it. So, like Stanford blowing SC out essentially like is not that impressive anymore. So, it, with that context, it's hard to be like, yeah, we beat out this team that beat out another good team. When reality, like it just this just goes to show like that transitive property in sports doesn't work. Especially in a league with and that has 130 teams um, between FBS and FCS. But right. to that point is, like, Stanford is still Stanford. And, and, and not to say well, the jury's still out on them as it is on us. Um, I feel like we can't really get a better idea of all, any of these teams until week, I say week seven usually, <clears throat> um, which is halfway through the season. Um, but... 
you know, they the things that they did to SC, which I, I was happy about, they didn't necessarily do to us constantly. And, and so, okay, they, again, there is a caveat of, like, they were down, you know, to one running back, right? But that was the running back who ran all over SC. Um, and we held them to the number that we expected. Uh, and, and, and what we held LSU, who doesn't have a really good run game, um, and also, I mean, we played a pass heavy Fresno state, but the fact is we did what we were supposed to do there. Um, and we really gave Tanner McKee pressure, which was missing in the Fresno state game. And we also, you know, recognize that a big part of that was when Otito, um, was injured. It really affected the middle in the pass rush, but he was back. You see how big of a difference um, that made, but you know, Daytona Jackson, you know, was making some plays. Mitchell wasn't necessarily on the stat sheet, but we had guys like Carl Jones who had a breakout game. Um, we had Quantrez, you know, Q Knight, who's obviously just always a dog every single game. And these guys were able to have their moments against Tanner and, you know, have these moments to do open field tackles. We had our linebacking unit was very impressive in terms of backing up the defensive line, but we also gave up explosive plays, which comes with, you know, the risk that we take. But I'd rather have that later on in the third quarter, forcing the team to, to beat us rather than um, than giving them 15-yard cushions and, and having a quarterback throw for 455 yards. So... I was very much happy with how the defense showed up against the Stanford team that, uh, you know, should have came into the game maybe 3-0 and if, if they if David Shaw wasn't being David Shaw. But uh, a team that I think is still going to be, um, if I was projecting today, I, I expect them to be off of coaching and talent to be between three and six in terms of the Pac-12, and they have the potential to do that. I think they have a tough schedule moving forward, and they have one of the toughest schedules coming a year. But this was a Stanford team that was a little bit short on, on their man, but I think it was an impressive win. It feels different from 2019, where they were down to their third-string quarterback and just couldn't get anything generating on the, on the pass. So this one was probably the most satisfying win of the Chip Kelly error besides the 2018 USC win that we had, um, I would say. <clears throat> yet it was still also immensely frustrating. Like, we could have blown them out, and yet they climbed back and tied the game in, like, the third quarter. So, like, I, I, I understand your point about, you know, not being okay or being okay with giving up those explosive plays if it means we're pressuring a lot. And... You know uh, that pressure hits home. It won't matter, but our our secondary scares me still a little bit. Like we get burned pretty often for whatever reason, and if it's from pressure or whatever it may be, but it scares me when we play a team like SC or somebody where if they just toss the ball up, it's a fifty-fifty ball. RDB is probably going to lose out there. Now, I think getting, like, Quentin Lake back is going to be helpful in that realm, but giving up, like, two 50-plus-yard touchdowns isn't great. Um, 
So I, I, it does worry me a little bit, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. It it, it is encouraging. It is. It, you're right. It does feel good. Always feels good to beat Stanford, especially since this is only like the second time in thirteen years, I think. But we have now beaten them twelve years, the but but we years. played them in a championship game, so thirteen games. Thirteen games. Yeah. But we have beaten them now two out of the last three years, so that there is, um, I guess, some light at the end of the tunnel in that respect. So, you know, hopefully this is a, a building moment for the team and they can kind of keep consistency um, going. I, I do want to address DTR in this game. Not um, yet. Not I have yet. two things to say. I have two things to say before we move on to the offense, um, because I know that's gonna that that's a big chunk. I want to say to your point about the DBs, I do think Quinn Lake's gonna help. I also hope that Chip Kelly, as Norwood, whatever, do not put Irby on an island by himself with uh, uh with a, a talented wide receiver because he got burned and i i watched them again and i was like of course tanner's gonna look at that you have a guy who's converted converted rb who uh fundamentally just didn't do the right technique and that you know that that guy hit the seam and he was just off and i was like there you go um so I just want to say that. And then I think Mo Oslin got burned on the second one. So hopefully Quinn Lake can help on that um, in terms of those. I still think we're going to have big gainers that we're going to face. But it, it, to your point is that, yeah, we have, like, these players. Uh, Kirkwood had a great game. It's it's such a mixed bag when it comes to our DBs because you have Kirkwood. You had Obi who had, like, a great, you know, stop on, a, on, a, on the first drive that Stanford had. You had um, – and then Cam Johnson sometimes makes plays. I think I think it was him who got caught over on that first TD that Stanford threw, on the on the fade. Oh, the uh, highlight that they always have. The, us. Yeah, the classic one. And that was and, and you know if Stanford has one of those and that's it, then I'm okay with it because they usually average about two or three. It feels like I know that's not the reality, but it feels like that. So, anyways, I just want to say to that before we move on to offense, the DBs again, are such a mixed bag because you have some talent mixed in there, but there's just these weak spots that the, the, the offense is able to expose. And Tanner, once he was settled in, was able to spot them. Yeah, no, look, I the talent, is, I think there's enough talent there to be an effective DB group. That, that wasn't meant to be a knock on those guys. I, I just, I don't know if they're being put into, into like situations where they can be successful, to your point. Putting a guy like Irby, who is new to the position, who's athletic, who plays this like hybrid linebacker safety kind of role on a, on a receiver like that, is you know asking for trouble. Like he he's not, you know, he might have the athletic ability or whatever, but he doesn't have the technique or yet to to be able to do that effectively. So like why? Why put them in that situation? That's that's what I, I guess my, my biggest criticism is. It's like the more so coaching than actual talent level there. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think like like you said, there's there's enough talent around. Um, Ob did have a good game. I think there's probably a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming back to play his old team. 
Um, and I know he's been often criticized before, so I hope he, he can build on that and, and again, be a consistent um, contributor and, and play at a high level. But um, I, I think the, defensively overall, like, if you put it all together, like you said, it was a a, a good showing from from the defense. And if that pressure is hitting home, then some of this the the DB stuff gets covered up, um, secondary stuff gets covered up. So it's a, it's a moot point. But um, yeah, I I agree. With that. I'm with you now. I'm curious what to, how you felt about DTR this game. I know you know we have our text conversations in the middle of it, but after everything, you know the dust settles. What were your thoughts? Look, I think it was a very typical DTR game. He was bad in the first half, and then really stepped it up in the second half again. And you know, I I've I've been a critic of DTR. I don't think he's a bad guy or bad kid or anything. He. He's just a frustrating player, and I, I wish him the best. But much, much, much respect in this game, I think. He, he showed a lot of toughness and poise as he was injured. He battled um, that shoulder injury. Um, he got beat up a little bit. He, he really, again, he puts the team on his back somehow in the second half, and it's so frustrating to watch sometimes because you're like, why, why couldn't you do this like from the get-go? If you play like this from the very first snap on, you we would be we would be crushing teams. But for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. But you know, much much respect to him um, battling through those those injuries as he like led the team on that final touchdown drive to basically ice the game um, it was it was impressive to watch and I, I think that's you you see that growth in him and we've seen that in the past as well like he he has the capability and I, I know know we talked about this last week a little bit like you know the lack or um, you know not as evident leadership on his part but you know I I think I take that back a little bit after seeing him this this um, game because he did lead by example here as a as the QB um, but again it's just he is who he is he's a frustrating guy because he's so he has the ability to be an incredible player it just there's just always these weird swings where he Starts off so slow, and then you know we're we're in a dogfight because of it every game, and then the second half he just goes nuts. So I I mean again respect him, respect his game there. Um, I'm glad he is okay. Um, seems like based on the injury and practice reports uh, for this week, he is kind of full go still. So glad he's healthy and. Um, not hurt, and uh, yeah, it was fun to fun to watch him in that second half. I um, I'm gonna piggyback off your uh, thing about the leadership aspect because it's interesting. The last time I seen DTR play like this, 
in terms of actually it was different because he had a pretty good game overall. It was SC two thousand nineteen where he he was taking some hits and he showed toughness. Right, the the result just wasn't the same. I believe we won. We we end up we tried to come back. Right, but it was that kind of grittiness I've seen in the past for certain games. The other thing on the leadership aspect was, you know, when he loses, you're just, you you don't really think about it. But when he wins, that's the funny thing about being a fan. You give it all the value. And and I recognize that, you know, in myself, and I'm not sure if you do. Well, it sounds oh, like you do. Sure. But <laughs> in terms of the, the, the flip floppiness of us, right, and how, um, you know, he he is really such a polarizing quarterback in terms of his play, but like, you know, the fact that when he does still, when he does stuff where he throws, you know, six or seven yards in front of the line of scrimmage, you're like, what the heck? That's the most DTR play ever, right? Like, you coin it that, right? But then in the fourth quarter, when they're going for, you know, for a fourth QB sneak, he learned his lesson and he did a proper QB sneak. So you like see the second half or second quarter, and then you see the fourth quarter DTR. It it is very polarizing, but to, going back to his leadership, uh, which is the third time mentioning is, I recently read in um in one of those UCLA, uh things the the alumni books that come out, mm-hmm. um and they were talking about his his like character in the locker room, and it actually it opened my eyes in terms of you know the fact that you know he stays after to clean up the locker room and he tries to set the tone and that's something he learned from home um in 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 that respect and like and I really you know I think we all are pretty familiar with DTR turning from a wide receiver from you know turning to QB and coming from Bishop Gorman being under Tate Martell who isn't necessarily the most popular figure in sports you know and he had a fiery attitude, right? But you still, we've recognized this on the, the podcast, he comes from a good home, like the same way most of the quarterbacks have, you know, in all of, you know, in UCLA, I think for a while. It's not really a question of character with most of our guys. But to that point is like, that's leadership when I read those stories, you know, the things that we don't see as fans. And uh, I know we mentioned like Rosen buying, you know, his, his O-line gifts and, you know, and that's publicized. There's other things that we don't recognize that DTR does. And so while that's, he's frustrating on the field and, you know, he does stuff where we're like, again, I'm like, stop celebrating that Fresno State can drive 70 yards, you know, and I still stand by that. Also, you know, I, I have to sit back and, you know, and put on my boomer cap and just accept the fact that, you know, the guy has us at three at one. Um, not necessarily with perfect with a perfect game. I've criticized him and been like, we are he's gonna hold back this team. Uh and that still might be the case for certain games, but there's gonna be certain games like Stanford where he proved to me he's gonna help us win and that's what he did in the fourth quarter in that last drive, which was impressive. Um, so respect to that. It's a mix. I mean, it's, we're going to get both sides of DTR. Yeah. So I didn't know, I, I have not read that story, um, <clears throat> but that's interesting. And that's a good point. I, there's clearly, there's clearly stuff that he is doing that, um, is behind the scenes a little bit more. Um, so he, um, Which we think is we're going to see most of what DTR does because he has a public platform too. I want to say that. So we miss out the little stuff with the perception we see most of what DTR does because he has a, a, a pretty big following. You know, sorry not to interrupt, but 
But. No, no, I, I think, and but, but there, right? So there's there's stuff, um, there's stuff that he does behind the scenes that we don't know about, and that's a fair point. But I do think that there is, he is polarizing, not because of that stuff still necessarily. It's just yeah, the on field stuff is just, you know, I like you. It's like the Jekyll and Hyde thing he does. I don't, I don't get it, but it's. Uh, it's it's just it's weird, right? It is weird that he is um, he um, just he, whatever the reason is, he just he can't keep that consistency up for a whole game, and it's like it almost feels like he takes that first half to like warm up, and then in the second half he's that half he's like yeah I'm, I'm good to go. But there are still right like you said like <clears throat> watching that stupid scramble and pass for like six yards seven yards over the line of scrimmage when he that was like the most boneheaded thing I've ever seen in football I'm like what are you what's going on and then yeah like it's so frustrating and then right second half he just goes nuts I I don't know he he is who he is I think Um, you I guess you get you get the the greatness that he flashes with the 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 um, averageness, I guess. Also, um, but I, oh, I just I can hope that on the biggest stage at some point he steps up and, and from start to finish and puts it all together. Because I think for him in the long run, for his own career, like that is what he needs to show to prove that he could be a pro quarterback um, if, if that is what he chooses to do. But the tools are there. It's just, you know, he hasn't put it all together yet still. Um, and that, that always still kind of concerns me. Agreed. Um. But besides DTR on offense... Um, we had another guy, well, and a couple of other guys that went nuts, but I just want to point out, good things happen when you actually feed Zach Charbonnet consistently. And Look at we, that, 25 touches, and this is what you get. Yeah, he got, had over 100 yards um, rushing. I don't know what his receiving numbers were. Um, and, and It was like 50, five passes right. 50. Um, and then how many touchdowns did he have? I think he only had one. Um, it felt like he could have had that that first one, but I believe he only had the the one that he he pulled he put put himself in. I think it was the second t- TD that we had. Yeah. So. It look Britton Brown is a very good running back. Um, but he is the the compliment, in my opinion, to Charbonnet. I think Charbonnet is the better back, and I think you, you feed him consistently like that, and you have a fantastic tandem of, and a very, very effective rushing attack. Um, and I hope, going forward, we can keep doing that. Agreed. I think that was another positive sign. That was maybe the most positive sign on offense was the switch. I don't know if Foster made that or if Kelly made it himself, but 
it was clear that the the dual series just wasn't going to work um it, well at least starting off with Britton Brown um who seems to flourish in that secondary role so I'm with you um but here we go we had a game we won 35 to 24 against a Stanford team that's Stanford in the makeup of it but it wasn't necessarily performing at its best right sure uh now we're playing an ASU team who I would say is in a similar predicament as uh, there, uh, maybe more so as LSU, but there are, you know, with less athletes, but they are in a situation where they're now and they're we're going into week five and they kind of have the makeup of their team. We know that they're, you know, they have their wide receivers that they've been recruiting over the past years. Um, they have their running back. So the skills players are there. and But their their D-line is a little bit nicked up, right? And uh, we have to see what it's going to look like, what Herm Edwards and his team's going to bring um, to the Rose Bowl. And I'm curious to see what team shows up you know, on our side, on our sideline, and what schemes happen. But how do you feel about this game before I give my thoughts and what I've seen? It's... It- I think it's going to be a tough game. It's a it's a big matchup, right, for the Pac-12, um, and for the South specifically. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I'm interested to see what what um, kind of Jaden Daniels shows up. I feel like he in the past has always had iffy games against us, and we've been able to to get to him a little bit, and hopefully. If our D-line and pressure continues to do what it's been doing, then we can contain him a little bit. Um, the caveat is he's probably the best running runner that we've faced at QB uh, so far this year. So we do have to watch out for that. And I think, you know, with their D-line being nicked up, like we should be able to control the line of scrimmage on offense and, and hopefully run the ball consistently. Um and, and control the clock a little bit. I, it's hard to like. It's hard to know though with with uh, UCLA which team is going to show up, especially historically under Chip Kelly. He just seems to overthink it all, a little too much and tries to get too cute with things. But I think if we do what we're good at, we run the ball on offense and we can. Uh, attack the quarterback a little bit in a controlled manner because this is not a team we can afford to like send a ton of guys after and then they um, you know have the QB get out and, and scramble for a bunch of, of yards we have to be careful of that but if we can do those two things I think we, we win this game uh, but it's not going to be an easy game I, I think ASU is a solid team um, and they have a lot to try to prove this season, especially with all the uh, issues that we've talked about in the past um, going on there. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see which version of UCLA shows up. I agree with that. Um, it's interesting because ASU has one of their strongest points is the pass defense, and that's one of our weakest points right now um, in terms of of, of just getting guys and, and throwing. 
And to note that their secondary is much older with Chase Lucas and Jack Jones. These guys are like six years uh, seniors. And we were, I mean, most Bruins, well, some Bruins are familiar with the Jack Jones episode from SC and post-SCs. But the guy is still playing pretty well for ASU. So those are guys you got to watch out for. And while they're not like Stingley or Elias Ricks, they still um, are very much holding their own and, and much more experienced. Uh, so that's a question mark on my end, but I agree with you. It's it's interesting, like to, you know, ASU's weakness is our strength, and and vice versa for them. Um, I am concerned about Jaden Daniels, who hasn't had the strongest seasons stats wise so far. Uh, and granted, I think that has to do more so with the play calling that they have, um, because he's still hitting some some big throws, you know, especially the the big ones that, that uh, fear, you know, we fear. Um, they just haven't been necessarily scores. But I think he is, he, you know, he's capable of having a big game. And I also, I think we can't, you know, it, it shouldn't go without saying that he hasn't beat UCLA yet. And I'm sure he wants to at least get them once. Um, while that may not happen, um you know that I'm sure that's some extra motivation for him to come back to come back home, and be in the Rose Bowl and and beat the team that he was once considering, but he passed on because you know of playing time um, at ASU. He didn't want to sit behind DTR, so there's a little bit of that dynamic as well on the offense and their running game. I mean, they have Rashawn White and Nagata, who's who's starting to break out, Daniel Nagata, who I, I think he was an athlete coming in, and they were going to put him a wide receiver, but he converted to RB. And then who I'm really worried about is Wilson. I think if you give attention to Wilson um, and uh, what's the other guy named? LV something. I can't think of the last name. It's a hyphen, so forgive me. Those two guys are the weapons on the outside, you know, for Daniels. But if if you're somehow able to stop Wilson, I I think it limits the pass. And then if if you can stop White, uh, which I I'm very confident we'll be able to, and then I think we'll be good. But to your point, it's going to be a tough one. I can see. I think ASU is going to get at least three scores um, in terms of TDs, uh, and then but. I also am confident that we'll be able to move the ball, and and for that reason, I do have us winning. Um, it's tough because I'm I, I go back between us winning be, between seven points, like one it's one score in my eyes, but seven points, four points, or three points, um, because I think it will be a grind out at the beginning. Um, for the first couple series, but then the other both teams will start to get it rolling, and it's a matter of turnovers or just consistency on that end, this which both teams great. have just yeah, shown yeah. that they don't necessarily have just yet. This would be a great game for DTR to, to start not hot, right? Like, this is a, a matchup you don't really want to fall behind in, um, my opinion, but... Who knows um, what what how he's going to show up, but yeah, I, I think you 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 you're on the money there, and I am worried about the receivers, especially with how our secondary has kind of played in the last couple weeks. Um, so 
you know, and Daniels is that type of guy that has the ability to, to escape pass rush and buy time and throw it up to one of those receivers where our coverage is broken down. So that is a worry. Um, but again, I think we, we try to, we can successfully run the ball. We can limit the amount of time that Daniels has to even, even do that. So I think, I think we win this game. Um, but you know, we lost to a less talented Fresno state team. Um, so who knows, but I think we, we, we handle business at home in a close one. Um, but again, like my level of confidence isn't at like a 90% even it's probably at like a 70% sure we win. I don't know. And I, I think that's fair. It's just this is going to be the game, as most of us know. It's one of the most important games of the South, if not the most important. That's to be determined. But we may look back at this and be like, this is a game that decided the South, um, depending on the path of both teams and if Utah or USC gets it together um, because it's very early on. So I, I'm I'm excited. I'm glad that we got ASU this early versus later on. Um, always like playing them earlier. Because they seem to be a thorn in our side when we play them later in the season. Um, I mean, remember that 2013 season, Hunley's second year. That was very frustrating when we were rolling. So, yeah, to that, um, let's get them now. Let's get them in the Rose Bowl. Let's get Daniels, uh, uh, you know, a losing record to to leave off. I mean, I guess he's always going to have a losing record because he's going to declare this after this year. But let's uh, give him a reason to regret not coming to UCLA uh, on that front. I, I like that. Um, yeah, awesome. Um, anything else we want to want to go over before we, we sign off today? Basketball. Oh, yeah. Basketball schedules come out. Everything oh is God, late, 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 late. <laughs> late. Speaking oh of ASU, God. why do we have ASU... I mean, a lot of fans pointed this out in the Twitter sphere, but why do we have ASU the same day as the Rose Bowl? It's it's pretty egregious. Oh my um, god! I... It's so bad. I don't know. Oh, gosh, I mean, the, the the interesting part is that the Villanova game being at eleven thirty on the East Coast actually will keep some people up um, on what is it, November twelfth, I believe. 12th. So yeah, some people up, but not. There's still going to be a majority of people who are going to go to sleep for that. And that's, that's the sad part, because if we win, right, no one's going to see us win. And this is what I expect happening. And if we lose, uh, um, well, sorry, if we win, no one's going to see us win. And the narrative is going to be like, oh, Villanova had to play a game at basically midnight their time. That's why they lost. Or and if we lose, it's going to be, oh my god, Villanova is so amazing and UCLA is terrible. They beat them while they were sleepwalking. <laughs> like, that's going to be the lazy media narrative that's going to happen. And it's going to be so frustrating either way. And I don't know how anybody, like who is making these decisions to schedule that game, but they need to be fired. It's yeah, it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty bad. 
I know we don't, you know, we have our tears and everything, but some of these games are just ridiculous, especially, especially the marquee games. So that needs to be fixed. I'm sure Jarman's not happy with it, and he's looking into it. But here we are. Basketball's coming up. We're going to probably be what? I think we're going to be second or third uh, coming excited. in. Sad news about Will McClendon, though. I know. Yeah, I mean, wh- what's your take on that? I know you, you kind of put out some thoughts um, out there, but I would like to hear it you know, verbally, what you think. I mean, and first and foremost, I'm bummed for him as a, as a person. Like, he seems like a good kid. Always, he, all you hear about him is how hard he works. Like, he hustles on every play, and he is a good defender. Um, and he is like the perfect prototype McCronin player. And so just for that, it sucks to see him out and lose this opportunity to play, you know, for a, for a team that's as good as UCLA this year um, and to, you know, get those practice reps in and learn. Uh, as far as the trajectory of this season, I don't think, like, losing him has a huge impact on that. Um, like from a projected depth chart um, perspective this year, like, I don't think he was going to get a ton of PT anyways. Um, We do lose out on some defensive minutes and some, you know, um, uh, and when we lose out on a a defensive athlete there and and a good rebounder, but, like, largely, was he going to get a ton of minutes? Not really. He was going to be, you know, the... 11th, 10th guy on the bench maybe right now as a freshman. Um, but it just hurts to see a guy who, you know, you want to see develop and succeed get hurt in his first year. That being said, I think our staff has um, a good track record of rehabbing guys uh, off of injuries and getting them playing back at a high level. Like a ACL tear now is not like a death sentence for your career anymore, and especially with our staff who's experienced and getting injured guys back um, into good playing shape and into good um, uh, into and turning them into good effective players. I, I think he's in a good spot there. So it is a bummer, um, but you know I'm excited to see him come back next season and and come back stronger. Hopefully, he can learn from. You know, watching this team this year, it's unfortunate he doesn't get those reps against them. But um, I don't think having him out this season hurts our trajectory for this or expectations uh, for this year. Agreed. Um, I think you hit everything. I was looking forward to his, his, him supporting Tiger the most in terms of the, the ball handling. Um, See, I don't think I don't think he he was going to do that even if he was healthy i i think we're we're pretty set on doing that with jules um and and he jules did it effectively um enough last season so i i I don't I don't think that mcclendon was going to come in and and be the backup point guard in any way like he he is a shooting guard slash wing, and that is what he was going to be this season, and I think he's going to be 
objective as that probably for his his entire career at UCLA. So uh, again, I don't even think we miss out on those minutes. Yeah, you're probably right. I think our team's deep enough to to kind of find a strength everywhere. Um, yeah, and hopefully he has a bounce back career the way well not bounce back but recovery similar to Tiger. So. Uh, it may be, you know, it's hard to say this now when the guy's like just having surgery, but it may be a blessing in disguise in terms of, you know, who's on the bench and, and kind of sitting it out and developing and, and just resting um, until next year. So we'll we'll see. I'm excited about McClendon's um, just career in general, and I think he's going to be one of the glue guys on our team and a good three to four year guy. Oh, absolutely. So. He'll be a very good player for... Uh, Cronin. I'm excited to see how he, he develops when he comes back. Yeah. So for, And then basketball has started practice, which is exciting. So that just, again, shows us that the season is upon us, and it'll be fun to get both of those rolling in November um, for the few weeks that they do. But uh, outside of that, I mean... time of the year. Women's soccer, uh, their winning streak ends because... They draw it against Oregon last Friday, but man, we still haven't had a goal scored on us in a, a long time. So that's good news. Um, that's that's wild. I mean, defensively, that team is is incredible. The keeper, um, whose name I cannot pronounce, but uh, she's been on fire. So it's been it's been uh, it's been fun to watch them, and Fischl has been incredible too. So. I'm I'm excited to, to see how they they fare the rest of the season. I really hope they can uh, compete for a, a natty. Agreed. I think they're going to be a favorites. Um, well, not necessarily in terms of ranking, but that that team that obviously uh, is built to win a championship for those who are you know following closely. So as long as they stay healthy, we are good on that end. And then water polo. Water polo's killing it right Crushing now. It. Number one, right? Yep, and also undefeated. Undefeated. And then women's volleyball, oh my gosh, they had a comeback. I think it was on Sunday, if I remember right. Yeah, it was on Sunday where they came back. Uh, did kind of a back a back room sweep. Is that what it's called? When you come back and you just you were down two sets and then you end up winning the next three? Is it a back? I know it was like a gentleman's sweep in, in, in men's basketball. In we'll go with that. I don't know. A gentlewoman's sweep? Should we say that? <laughs> I, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, they're rolling. Um, yeah, fall sports is doing well. And also to point out, I mean, if you look at a lot of, you know, what's going on um, and the teams are beating, a lot of them are Stanford. So this is a nice turn of events because Stanford has been kicking our butt the past few years um, consistently in sports that we should be pretty much splitting down the line. So it's nice to see the tide turn. And we I know we have a few matchups coming up with them in October. So hopefully we can keep that streak going. Um, but it's always nice to get a win. I think, again, I said this is with the, maybe the second most impressive win of Chip Kelly's uh, tenure, and I'm not overlooking LSU. Just LSU for me was, I think, a little bit overhyped because of what they carried from the years before. I think they still are going to be a good team in the SEC, 
But I think with the fact that we got them the second game of the season, uh, and it was their first, and they came to the Rose Bowl, it's a little bit different than going to Stanford, who has beaten us consistently, so they have that mental edge. Um, and close ones and big ones, you know, over the past 13 years. And for us to go on the road and beat them um, the way we did, um, I think it still is, you know, a, a good thing to come on that front. So I'm excited uh, to see what we bring against ASU. And I hope that, you know, we're in a much, we continue on the happy vibes moving forward. One can hope. <laughs> One can hope. But I was getting to a point, I, just, I mean, Zed, you know that I was starting to hate Stanford in football more than USC at one point because I just hated going to those games. They were up there, man. I still hate them, but... Now, yeah. they, can, now they can fall back into a little bit of irrelevancy. I think the okay. series now is like 47-43. I think we have four games on them now after they, they, they really close the gap, but... Hopefully, I, I will be happy. This is what I'll say about Stanford before we, we, we take off, is that once we beat Stanford like a third year in a row, and if we, like consecutively, I, that would just be like, all right, we got these guys. They're no longer the monkey on our back. Um, I don't want to split games with them anymore going forward, but this is a good start because I still think we should have won last year. Um and, you know, I get it going for two, but I won't harbor on that. But hopefully this is a sign of things to come when it comes to that team. I'm all about, you know, chopping down the trees. Uh, metaphorically. Metaphorically. Hey. Yeah. We're environmentalists over here. Um, but, yeah, any other parting words before we... Are you no, going I to th- the game on ASU? Oh, yeah, uh, you are. Yeah, I... I, um... Changed my tune and I'm and I'm going to the game now. Um, it's solely dependent on on the outcome of the Stanford game, but since we won, I I decided I will I will go and and, and cheer cheer the team on. So hopefully there's a good crowd there. I mean that's another thing. It's we got to get our fans out there, and so I I decided to try to do my part there. Yeah, I I think. It still was good that you left Fresno State when you did. Um, ASU, let's see. We'll we'll take it play by play. Agreed. Agreed. Um, awesome. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, hoping for a good outcome on Saturday, and um, we will catch you all next time. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Signing off. Go Bruins.